UK. Welcome back to United Pubcast, the podcast of the Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney. And Larry, we are going to review a win. We're going to get straight into it. And I don't know if this is for Ollie or just for the win in three points, but I'm going to enjoy it because after full time, I said, get in, what a result. That's good. I, we'll get into the performance. I thought solid enough performance. Wayne, you're 2-0 win, top of the group, through to the round of 16. I was so happy. I logged on to Twitter. Big mistake. It was a disaster. It was an absolute, everyone's moaning about everything. So I'm just going to sit back. And enjoy it. You tell me about your day. Yeah, it was good. It started with me waking up to watch Manchester United play. I saw Michael Carrick in the dugout. That was something a little bit different. I saw Jaden Sancho starting. I saw Donny van der Beek in the starting lineup. So I was certain I must have still been dreaming. So yeah, it was quite a positive start to the morning. Um, now, the first half nearly put me back into a deep sleep, Tom. I'm not going to lie to you. In saying that, that half an hour period from the 60th minute onward, now, that was some champagne football. Can we just say, um, also, Cristiano Ronaldo's finish was absolutely ridiculous, and no one is saying a word about it. It was phenomenal. I don't even think he looked at the goal. So, yeah, my day is going great. Yeah, no, well, we'll get into Ronaldo and um, yeah, another game, another goal. I, even though it's a dead rubber against young boys, he's going to play against young boys, just, just scoring all six group games and obviously add to his Champions League Italian. At the time, in a week's time, we'll discuss if that's the right decision or not. But who's to say? Who's to argue with Ronaldo? But a lot of guys in the comments who we'll get to now. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Josh, evening, lads. Delighted with that. Job done. Um, job done for the time being. And now on to Chelsea. Um, yeah, def- try not to mention Chelsea. We're, we're just going to enjoy this one at the moment. Obviously, Chelsea smash Juventus as well. Elliot, good to see you, Matt. Hi, everyone. Great um, to get a win, but that performance has me worried for Chelsea. Again, with Chelsea, lads, stop. I'm trying to enjoy this one. I don't want to think about Chelsea just yet, but George... Evening, mate. Um, nice to know um, we'll top our Champions League group for the first time in ages. Yeah, I'm sure George knows. Get in the comments, George, the last time we did actually top our Champions League group. I couldn't tell you when it was. It must have been under Fergie. Um, I don't know when it would have been. It's an interesting start. I'm sure you let us know, George. Um, Ryan, evening, mate. Hope you're well. Good win this morning. Fred and Sancho were particularly ones to call out for good performance. Yeah, the same question. How long since we have topped the group? We'll get into Fred. I, I thought, yeah, Fred... I wouldn't say shine. He's not getting my three points, but he'll be definitely in the three-two-one discussion for me. Um, Ian, good to see you, mate. Hope you're keeping well. Um, Larry, where do you want to start? Because look, I don't want to get into the managerial debate. Well, I think we'll touch on Poch- the Pochettino news at the end, and I don't really want to talk about Carrick compared to Solskjaer because it's a moot point for me. I don't really think there's much to discuss. We can t- maybe touch on Carrick a little bit. Was there anything you saw from him that was obviously we'll get in a team selection, which there definitely was something different. But in terms of an approach type thing, but I don't want to get into okay, he did this compared to Solskjaer. Solskjaer would have done that, or Pochettino would do this. Just enjoy it for what it was. Carrick had to come into a job. My main concern, and you mentioned Michael Carrick there in terms of there was something different, but I know you're a big fan of Michael Carrick as a player, and for me, yeah, one of the best players as well, a fantastic midfielder. I understand the, and we can get into Paul Skull's comments as well if you want. Paul Skull's coming out and saying, Almost it's a disgrace. They should have left with Solskjaer. And we all agree with that sentiment. However, I come back to the point which I said, well, if they sacked everyone because of the lack of planning, if we sacked everyone, the chef would have been the, the manager. We needed to keep some physical bodies and some coaches there to, to actually name a team and be a physical body in the dugout. So I didn't understand the criticism of Michael Carrick, but okay, we don't want him there long term. But at the end of the day, he's a man, you know, I don't know if it's a discussion if he's a legend or a United great, but here he is, a man United great who we all love. It's a proud moment for him. We need to get behind him. It's like Solskjaer. Okay, Solskjaer is not the man for the job, but support him 100%. Michael Carrick's in there. Hope he does well. Support him. I think it's a proud moment for him. He must have been buzzing. He's in there in the suit. Even Mike Phelan sort of racked out his suit as well. So I was over the moon for Michael Carrick. But you go on a Twitter, get him out of my club. What's he doing here? And I'm just, oh, give it a rest. 
Yeah. <clears throat> Look, I think the United fan base is, it is what it is, Tom. And that comes with social media, unfortunately. It's, it's just too easy to be faceless, nameless, and shameless. And that's just, unfortunately, the way it is in life. Um, but, you know, I think the, the good thing, I, and the one thing I am always proud of as a Manchester United fan, before I focus on the positives, because bloody hell, we had a win today, and I don't want to give bad energy to bad eggs. But the one thing that I am proud of as a United fan our fan base, the, the ones, the, the matchgoers, are genuinely one of the classiest fan bases you will see around the world. I think the treatment of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been fairly good um, from the matchgoing fans. There have been reports come out, those who, the small contingent of boos um, at, <clears throat> at Watford, those fans uh, were called out by the away end and, and told to be quiet. So, you know, then that's something that I'm really proud of. Um, and at the end of the day, like you said, it's a Manchester United great in the dugout, and he wants every positive result for United. He said himself, it's an honour. It's a wonderful opportunity for him. And while he goes down I, I in history. He goes Absolutely. down in history as a Man United manager, and not many people do that, and that's a special part of our history now. 100%. And at the end of the day, uh, for Michael Carrick, the next game or two might be an opportunity for him to put his hand up for what happens next, whether that be mm. to remain as part of the coaching staff of whoever comes in or whether that's a, an opportunity elsewhere. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Ian here is saying the board is no good. Well, we, we definitely know that, Ian, and yeah, they definitely don't have a plan in place. That's why we are in this predicament, no doubt. But still, Carrick's there. We have the cards we've been dealt with, have to deal with it. And Ryan here, Andy Tate, um, give it character to the end of the season. Yet, <laughs> look, a win against Chelsea, and that might be the narrative going around, who knows. Um, but we will t touch on the managerial situation at the end. But on Carrick and the big news, when, whenever we wake up an hour before kickoff, um, it was obviously a tough morning for us in terms of the kickoff time in Sydney. It's a 4.45 kickoff in the Champions League. We wake up, we'll check the team news. And I was reading my phone. I was you know, half asleep, put my phone up, reading, going through this. And I'm like, okay, Van der Beek played. Yeah, I understand that. Marshall played, which you can get into. You called that. And I think, okay, that's all fa fairly solid. Then I looked at my phone and I think, hang on, where's Bruno? I can't, okay, I'm counting the players. One, two, three, four. I'm counting all the players. I think, where's Bruno Fernandes? I was shocked. And we'll get into the right thing or the wrong thing. And it ended up being sort of the right thing. We won the football match. I didn't see that one coming. And what do you make it from Michael Carrick? Was this a – because I was starting to overthink. I was thinking, well, hang on, there's a big game against Chelsea. Is he just part of the squad rotation? Just we can get away with not playing Bruno, save him for Chelsea because he obviously does play a lot of games. Or was this a statement from Michael Carrick in terms of, yes, putting a brave sort of face on and doing something different to Solskjaer? Or was it just a tactical thing that he tried to do something a little bit different? I think he dropped a player who hasn't been playing well. That's what he did. And he rewarded a player in Donny van der Beek who did perform well at the weekend. One of the very few players who performed well at the weekend. And he needed dropping Bruno. It's it's just one of those things where we've kind of become uh, immune to it. We just expect to see his name on the team sheet every week. I was actually really happy to see it because um, I thought when Bruno came on, he had a fire in him. He, he played with discipline, mm. but he was bloody creative, Bruno. I think, forget... I know he's obviously scored some marvellous goals. He scored a hat-trick in that ma opening match day of the season. That's probably up there with one of Bruno's best performances so far this season. The positive impact he had with the ball, the, the, the way he was linking up with Jaden Sancho, who I know we will come on to, it was, it was a great move by Carrick. And at the end of the day, in this caretaker role, he's got nothing to lose. And I think we, we made a point of that. He has everything to gain, but he has nothing to lose, Michael Carrick. So I really enjoyed seeing him change the formation up a little bit and seeing him have the personality to to drop a big player. Because the, the safe choice would have been, I'll go with the status quo, much like Oli did, and we saw how that ended up. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, Ian here, in terms of Carrick and that sort of position, can only I saw this on Twitter as well, can only do six games in regards to his coaching badges. It was apparently a rule in place in terms of what licence you have. So he, there's a permanent, there's a rule saying he can't take over, which I think is um yeah, pretty interesting. But there, there you go. Um, Tom saying, um, have to say Carrick dropping Bruno was a surprise, but a good, good move. Bruno needs to rest. I think also that's another part of it. You're completely right in saying, well, he hasn't performed. So put Donny Vender back in, who is performing. Mm. But there is also that part from what Tom says in regards to Bruno needing a rest. He's one player who just runs into the ground. But he did come on and do quite well, um, which he says here. That being said, and the rest of the coaching staff have to go. Whoever brings in, um, whoever comes in needs to bring their own coaching staff. And Josh proved to be a good move and made a class impact when he came on. Which I'm sure me and Larry, I think, have a little bit of a disagreement in our three two ones, which we'll get into later. I'm sure his name does come on because when he did come on, he performed well. But on the game, before we get to the goals, as you say, the first half was a bit boring. Not boring, I think it was quite technical. I think at the end of the day, which we don't – well, I always make the point, but we don't often as a fan base sort of sort of accept it. Villarreal, I thought, were very good. I thought Villarreal played very good, and that made United sort of look a little bit sort of lethargic and sort of behind the ball. But um, what did you make of that first half? Was it a game plan by Michael Carrick to sit off a little bit, or were we just outplayed by Villarreal who, when they get on the ball? And if we're not quite at it in terms of our pressing – um, they can play through you. I thought it was a classic European tie. Uh, when you play away from home, it was cagey. We played like a side that's lacking confidence, but we also played like a side that is trying to play its way back into form. And, and the way you do that is keep a clean sheet. And I think what we said in our match preview was United's main priority isn't actually how do we get the goals that will come. The priority for Manchester United in this game had to be we need to keep a clean sheet. If we can keep a clean sheet, we only need one goal. The problem with Manchester United recently has been we're finding ourselves two goals behind and asking Cristiano Ronaldo to score three, which just isn't sustainable as entertaining as it might be. Uh, So that's the pleasing aspect. And I thought, again, maybe a bit fortunate from United. Cristiano Ronaldo buries a wonderful opportunity. Fred, great press, puts pressure on the Villarreal player. We, we create our own fortunes there. And from that goal, you saw the way United played just completely evolved. Suddenly, confidence is back. you got a spring in your step. Passes start clicking together. And I thought, well, it definitely wasn't the perfect performance. Definitely lots of room for improvement. I thought for a side that has been lacking in so much confidence that has lost five of its last seven matches, this was a, a good result. I think here a point George makes here, which I look agree with, and I don't know where it comes from. I don't know if it came from a tactical instruction from Carrick or it came from not having Bruno Fernandes on the pitch. Um, time will tell, but I really like how we didn't press unnecessarily. It was a lot harder for Villarreal to play through us today than they did in the reverse fixture, which they did play through us a little bit, but yeah, when we were too high. Now, the one time we got it when we were high, it obviously rewarded in a goal, but um, yeah, I thought we were a lot more, not conservative in regards to saving energy, but um, yeah, I thought we were a lot sort of smarter in sort of where we were pressing. We weren't, yeah, we didn't have Bruno Fernandes closing down goalkeepers, etc., which I think made a difference. And look, Bruno came on when he got on the ball. He was fantastic. So it'll be fascinating now is now that a good performance by Bruno. So Carrick now rewards him with a start against Chelsea. I'll be shocked if he doesn't start against Chelsea. However, you've just won 2-0 away in Europe with Donny. And then we'll get into Van der Beek's performance if you want. It's solid enough, not great, not bad. Just he was what he was. Um, it'll be interesting how they line that midfield up now because we'll tell midfield because it's such a topic when we're talking about Michael Carrick. He's one of the best midfielders we've seen. We'll say, and he's going to line up in a 4 3 3. And it pretty much was for me. I think McTominay sort of sat a little bit deeper. Fred was not advanced, but sort of, sort of pressing a little bit more on the front foot. And it looked more of a 4 3 3. And Donny van der Beek obviously sitting a little bit deeper, in, unlike the sort of Bruno Fernandes 
sort of textbook 10. What did you make of that? Because McFred obviously comes in for a lot of criticism. I thought for the job you ask a McFred to do, and I hate using that, but it just rolls off the tongue, McFred. But I thought they did their job well. I understand the frustrations and the limitations, but you look at the goal. McTominay plays a crucial part in the second goal in terms of breaking, breaking up the plan, springing up. I think it was Rashford free or Ronaldo free on the left. I think it was Ronaldo free on the left. And um, for what you want of a McFred performance, they delivered. And again, you deliver away in Europe 2 0. You've got to take your hats off and say fantastic stuff. Yeah, I agree with you. I liked it. I thought United did concede some goals, but I think that comes down to the defense. Um, what I like today is I don't think out there was a few opportunities, but I don't think the midfield got bypassed as easily as it has in recent weeks. Um, and I like the three man midfield for that reason. And I know we'll do a Chelsea preview, but I wouldn't have thought of this, but I actually think. The way, it, considering it is at Stamford Bridge, I'd almost be tempted to bench, bench Bruno again. Let him come on like he has today as an impact player. If we can keep it cagey and, and keep it at nil all, putting Bruno on in the second half against Chelsea to open that defence, I think it might be a really good way to go about it. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't contemplated Bruno Fernandes on the bench for a second game straight, but it's in, interesting. And yeah, in terms of a tactical point of view, if Chelsea are going to dominate possession, um, you're probably not far off the mark. Rob here saying Sancho's at Orchard. We'll definitely get in the Sancho's. Everyone knows he's going to be my three points. So interesting at Larry's thoughts. The Sancho's all-round game today was great. Tracking back, defending, taking players on in the goal as well. Yeah, well, we'll get into the goals. Fantastic, the same score. And it was obviously a quality goal. Desire here saying Villarreal were quite clinical in the first half. Seemed like we played um, Seemed like we played like we had previously not been able to get passes through the middle. Got better when Bruno and Rashford came on. I think Rashford made a little bit of a difference. Um uh, I think Villarreal, I don't know why, they got a little bit deeper in the second half. I know that might have been off United's, but United might have been playing better, which forced Villarreal a little bit deeper. But um, I think a lot of it maybe came down to those substitutions and Rashford maybe changing the mentality of what, you know, um, Emery wanted. Uh, last one here before we get into the 3-2-1s. Elliot McTominay was poor, wanted to see Donny van der Beek in the eight. Yeah, I think he was in the eight. Got, well, yeah, he, he was he's the most advanced, I think, we think in, in a lot of people's minds and maybe right that he was the 10 because he was the most advanced. But I thought he was a little bit deep. I thought he was part of a midfield tree with Fred. And yeah, um, McTominay was sort of sitting a little bit. But it's interesting, up for interpretation in regards to where you place your midfielders and what you call those. But, Larry, we'll go into – actually, before we go into 3 two ones, we'll just go into the goals. I'm sure these players will come up in the goals. But as you mentioned, the Ronaldo goal, where do you start? Because as soon as De Gea made that save, that cracking save late in the second half, you just thought, big save. Okay, Ronaldo's going to win this for us. Couple minutes later, ball breaks to Ronaldo, and it's just what he does. Nil-nil away in the Champions League, must-win game. Ball breaks to him. You forget Ronaldo's playing. Ball breaks to him. Back of the net, you win the game. Like it is exactly what we knew we'll get in when we'll sign in. But when you've seen it in front of your eyes, when you've seen it being delivered, you just have to smile and just enjoy it. Like he's amazing. The knack he has for popping up with these goals is crazy. I think that's six goals in five Champions League games. Champions yeah. League games. It was nice to see the Sue come back. It's been a while, Tom. It's been a while between twos. Yeah, no, his last celebration for that was a while, but um, yeah, no, fantastic. See, and Sancho, which we'll get into actually three, two, ones now. Maybe because Sancho, I think, dominates the discussion for me. Three points, best performance in the United shirt, right wing, 90 minutes. Brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah, man of the match. Uh, he, he was really good. And it just goes to show, I think it was in our group chat with Rob. He plays on the right two games in a row and he's put in his two best performances in a Manchester United shirt. Now, I, I don't think it's as simple as that. I think it's been match fitness. I think it's getting his match rhythm and becoming more accustomed to the Premier League. 
But you find when players often come from different leagues around Europe, they generally will find their best form in Europe or in the Champions League or Europa League prior to, I guess, hitting that same sort of form in the Premier League. So I think Sancho, though, he's, he's gradually been building, hasn't he? I would have loved to see him bury the first opportunity he had because I that think would that... would have been a good goal. Absolutely. And I think that would have done more for his confidence. The second goal, I thought it was poor goalkeeping. We always often talk about, you know, if this was another team, we say brilliant goal. i got to say, I thought it was poor goalkeeping by the Villarreal keeper. In saying that... I didn't know the goalkeeper. You talk about the confidence, and I understand in terms it would have been a fantastic goal, especially this first one where he starts off the move, gives it to Bruno. But there is something in terms of the mindset, rocketing the ball off the underside of the crossbar, bouncing down and bouncing back up into the net. I'm sure and any goal counts, obviously, but I think that goal, yeah. that type of goal, um, will be almost boosting a more a bigger boost for his confidence because that's exactly what you dream of. When you envisage in a game, you're thinking of hitting that rock and it bounces off the underside of the bar and rockets in. Oh, I think it's exactly what he wanted. It looks better, but I think a composed finish is more fulfilling in terms of what it does for a player's confidence. But look, nonetheless, he was the best player on the pitch. Okay, well, Sancho for three points. And I think a lot of people in the comments are agreeing for Sancho. And I don't know, the person for getting two points for me is David Deha. I'm not leaving this discussion without De Gea getting the two points because that is a match-winning save. And I just think, actually, just here, Larry, can you give us, because Ronaldo's not getting the two points, another C. C! But David De Gea. It's a match-winning save. Bruno Fernandes, you can, you can maybe argue a case for one point. That is a match-winning save. Like, forget it. The Ronaldo goal doesn't happen. We don't recover if that ball goes in. And the way it, break to, the way it broke to the Villarreal attacker, you, see, you can just hear the European crowd. When that ball broke to him, you just envisage that ball going in. He hit the ball sweetly. You just, everyone saw it. Just Oh, no, it's in. And De Gea just came up with the save, and he almost celebrated like a goal because when that did happen, as I mentioned, when he saved that and it goes out for a corner, you know Ronaldo's going to score in a few minutes. So that was just that's what happens in football. It's a huge save. And look, he's unlucky not to if Jaden Sancho didn't perform the way he did, I would still be giving David De Gea three points, but Sancho obviously deserves them. Um for me, David De Gea for two. I take your point. <clears throat> Excuse me. I take your point. I think the the reason I, I, I'm hesitant to give David De Gea two points, and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve points in the three two ones. The reason I'd be hesitant to give him two points is as brilliant as the save is, that's the only thing he had to do the whole game. Now, it is his number one job. And Made I a save in the first half. Sorry? Made a decent save in the first half. He did, but I would expect any goalkeeper of a at, at an elite club to make that save. The, the second half, now it's a belting save, but I think same by the same token, if that's Allison, if that's um, having a, a mind blank, Manchester City's goalkeeper. Edison. Edison, any of these elite goalkeepers, you're expecting the same thing. Mendy at Chelsea, you're, you're expecting them to pull out those saves. If I look at David De Gea's all-round contribution over the 90 minutes, I can't say that – I can't change the criteria. I always look at the three two ones to say who had the greatest impact over the 90 minutes. Brilliant save, undoubtedly. Is it worth two points? Well, no, in my opinion, because that's something I would expect from my goalkeeper, much like I expect my midfielders to keep the ball and defend up and down you, the you pitch. Don't, you don't expect that save, though. That was a goal. He hit that perfectly, and that's a big save. Like It wasn't just, okay, shot-stopping save. Name it. Okay, you mentioned other goalkeepers in regards to Edison and Allison. You wouldn't be shocked if that goes past them. You'll be calling that a great save by them. I, I think it's a world-class save that you just you, you don't account for. Okay, you account for that one in the first half where you think, okay, that's his job. Roy, Roy Keane sort of... 
criteria. That's his job. He should be doing that. He shouldn't be saving that one that he did. Valid. I'm not going to argue with you. Well, there, there are some comments um, which I threw up. I think a lot of people do have Sancho and De Gea for two. But the interesting one will be one point because here Rob's saying um, Dave's saves are just as important as our goals. And the interesting one now is one point because I'm not going to give this guy points, but I want him to be in the discussion because obviously you're going to throw Bruno Fernandes in there. I'm going to throw Ronaldo in there, but also, sounds true, but I'm not giving him a point, but worth a mention, I think Fred did okay. 100%. I thought Fred was awesome today. Oh, well, I'll come, come down on the awesome, but awesome. I, I thought he was... I didn't say excellent. I didn't say fantastic. I didn't say match winning or world class. thought he was awesome. I liked his work rate. He's a major reason why the first goal happens. He was awesome. Awesome Fred. In saying that, I wouldn't give him points. I, I think in I terms agree. of... I I wouldn't give him points either. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Fred. But in, in regards to the points, okay, Bruno Fernandes, I can accept your argument there. And maybe, for me, Ronaldo, in terms of just what he does, and maybe maybe didn't deserve it. But again, if we're talking match-winning saves with De Gea, it's a match-winning goal by Ronaldo. If that ball breaks to Rashford, does he have the composure to put it in? Does it, it breaks to Sancho, who hasn't scored yet? Does that sort of... Does it chip the goalkeeper and go with the right side of the post? So for me... Ronaldo maybe edges it, but in terms of Bruno's impact when he did come on, um, I wouldn't argue. Throw your comments in. A few people here. Rob Alm has one point for Ronaldo. Desire here has Ronaldo and Fred. Obviously, no one really has Bruno in there. Um, and saying that's like saying it's Ronaldo or Ronaldo's job to score, sort of thing. Do you want to put like one last case for Bruno? Because I'm willing to listen to it, but um, I just think it's such an important goal by Ronaldo. Wonderful creation when he comes on Bruno Fernandez. I think he really enhanced Jaden Sancho's game when he came on. He could have had an assist uh, if Jaden Sancho finished his first opportunity. He gets an assist anyway for the second opportunity. And, and Rashford's Insane. chance. I think if Rashford scores, I think that pass was from um, Bruno Fernandez. So he could have had three assists. In saying that, this mate right here, every time Tommy just he pulls out the winner. And if the first doesn't go in, then the second doesn't happen. And we're not here. Like you're saying with David De Gea, if David De Gea doesn't make the save, we don't go on to keep a clean sheet. If Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't score, I don't know if United go on to win the football match. He is just freaking brilliant, isn't he? Forget he's, what he's doing at 36 years of age. And I know it almost feels redundant and can be a little bit boring to talk about his age, but to be at, at, at that level, playing in the toughest league in the world, he plays two games a week. He's not, he's not being rested or managed. He plays every single match, 90 minutes, nearly 90 minutes, every single match. He is phenomenal. He really, it just, he's not human. He's not human. What do you do there in regards to, okay, so the three, two, ones there, we'll go Sancho for three, De Gea for two, and Cristiano Ronaldo for one. Um, forget about the new manager, who, who's going to be the new manager. That's a debate for another day. But let's say you are the new manager in a week's time and you have young boys, top of the group, big game next week or a big game before it, et cetera. It's a nothing game in the middle, midweek, Old Trafford. Doesn't matter if you lose or win. Ronaldo, Champions League records is all about that. Are you playing him or not? I personally wouldn't. He's already broken the record. He's broken just about every, he's breaking records every single time he plays in the Champions League at this point. But do you think to, to keep him happy? Like, like is that is that we're a in the final sixteen? He he'll get yeah, another opportunity. Who's to say, look, last, last time we played young boys, we lost. But on paper, you're looking at this in terms of a feel-good factor, some fresh legs in the team. It's a game where you could see United maybe going on to win 4 or 5 nil type thing. That's what Ronaldo wants to be a part of. And, like, he, I understand I'll be benching him as well. 
in terms of keeping him happy, I, if this was at Real Madrid, I could see him playing at Real Madrid in this nothing game. That's I'd why he racked up those numbers. Get him fit, mate. We're going to need him in May when we're in the Champions League final. Well, I thought in regards to three two ones, we'll just finish the three two ones there. I feel one matter was hard done by it. Come on, absolutely faultless yet again. Like, as I say, if you don't want to play, come no on, mistakes. not making any mistakes. Hundred percent passing accuracy. Faultless. Yeah, brilliant. And what, what do you think of that? Was that Michael Carrick in terms of, look, I don't know what one matter's appearance bonus is off the bench. I'd assume off the bench his appearance fee would be, I don't know, 10 grand, 15 grand type thing. He just hasn't been getting those. Michael Carrick's obviously very good friends with one matter. It was a pointless substitution in regards to it was the after the extended injury time type thing. He was just Can getting a play little... for a minute. I don't think he was on the pitch for a minute. Oh, no, no, he came on the corner, came in, they blew the whistle. It was, it was on yeah. for less than five seconds. <laughs> so it was a nothing sub. Do you think that was just Carrick? In my opinion, it was just him getting him an extra whatever his appearance fee is. That's what it was. I don't know what Which it was. Which is nice enough, I think. Can I say about Michael Carrick, his substitutions were bang on the money today. Yeah. Like for everything we've criticized Solskjaer for, his substitutions were spot on. Right time, good substitutions, all his substitutes made a positive contribution to the football game. It's what Sol- Which I completely agree, but it's what Solskjaer always comes back to and talks about these fine margins. I completely agree, and you're right. Are we saying that if De Gea doesn't make the save and the ball goes in and we lose 1-0? Same substitutions, but De Gea doesn't make a huge save. But that That is football. Like, it's an interesting one when you break it down and yeah. think, well, fantastic. But we'll, if the substitutions are the same, we lose 1-0, we're saying they're worth substitutions and they didn't work. What's he doing? Type thing. But, yeah, fascinating. And just, I'm so glad to go into that young boys game now and um, not have any pressure. And obviously, one matter, what well, I say, we'll get the start. Um, we'll be interested in who the manager is and his um, opinions. Josiah is saying, fun fact. Bruno was the first player to provide an assist. Actually, I saw this one to, to provide an assist in the opening five Champions League games in a single campaign for for an English club. And I think there's also one he's three assists away from the Champions League record in a season. Which someone double check that because that sounds like it can't be true. But if it is, you have to think. Yeah, throw me in again, young boys. There may be a chance he can get that record, which would be amazing. But if you are enjoying, we're just about to wrap up the video. We'll do a little bit on Pochettino and I was about to say Solskjaer, but I guess we have to say Michael Carrick probably. Uh, before we wrap up, but if you are enjoying the win and the content, please leave a like on the video. And if you're not subscribed, it would be great if you can. And um, Larry, just before we wrap up, Pochettino, did you hear the interview, obviously, before the obviously PSG are playing? I think they're playing Man City today or tonight sort of thing. Um, so it's an interesting one. Is Pochettino, his interview was very along the lines of textbook. Oh, I'm very happy mm. in Paris. I'm happy in Paris. I'm, this is the club I love. What happens in the future happens in the future. That means he's coming to United, in my opinion. It just sounded like a textbook answer. I can't say what's really happening, but it's going to be uh, Manchester United in a week's time. Well, if we were to flip it around, he's not going to say, yep, you're spot on, Jerno. Um, I'll be in Manchester in a week. Like, you know what I mean? Well, but, but that's know? what I mean. Like, did you interpret it as he was reading off a script thinking, okay, I think he'll be our manager happen. next week, Tom. It's going to happen. Uh, that, that, that's the vibe you're getting. And the reports that are coming out now, uh, United have seemingly... They're going hard for Pochettino now. That's the one they're going to try and get over the line now if they can. And I think if it is something that the club can put in place, I think it would really benefit us for the rest of the season. I think it makes the decisions around Paul Pogba's future easier. I think it becomes um, it becomes more transparent for the likes of Donny van der Beek and other players in the squad. You know what? Something we haven't really spoken about over the last few weeks Jesse Lingard is nowhere to be seen near the first team. I think it's crystal clear he's leaving in January. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, I've, I've made my peace with Lingard, which we didn't even discuss, and I don't want to discuss in regards to that West Ham photo. That was another debate. We can have that discussion when he does leave for West Ham in January, which I think is the case. 
But on that, just last two or three minutes to wrap up on Pochettino as we come on to half an hour of um, the match review. Last week or a couple of days ago, we were saying Zidane. Okay, we're saying if not Zidane, we're both happy with Brendan Rodgers. Maybe Ten Hag is the ideal replacement. Pochettino will never... Obviously, the United have been chasing him for years. If Solskjaer didn't beat Pochettino in that interim period, there's a very good chance Solskjaer wouldn't have got the full-time job and Pochettino would have come in during that time. But Solskjaer obviously went on that run, beat Pochettino at Wembley and obviously got the job. But he has always been a target of Manchester United and Pochettino has obviously always wanted the Man United job. But... Mm. um. We weren't mentioning Pochettino now, but now that it's getting a little bit closer and a little bit more exciting, there's getting some closure and a new permanent manager in, you're starting to look at everything. And yeah, Pochettino is obviously a very good manager. I've obviously been a huge fan of him for a while. In saying that, the obviously thing that gets thrown at him is trophies. But where do you stand on the trophies argument? Because in my opinion, I've made my thoughts clear in regards to Tottenham and Pochettino and trophies. It's amazing anyone even mentioned trophies in the same sentence as Spurs. Okay, yes, he got them close, but did anyone have Spurs winning a trophy? Like, okay, Liverpool were better. Liverpool should have won the Champions League. It's a miracle Tottenham were even in the Champions League knockout stages, let alone a final. I understand they were going to win the league, or not going to win the league, but they had a chance to win the league. Well, no one had Tottenham winning the league. It was, it's amazing they were in that position in the first place. So just your thoughts on Pochettino, sort of the story around Pochettino and how he is suited to the job or how he might not be suited to the job? Well, he's suited in the respect he he does promote young players and he's not afraid to do that. We've seen that at Southampton. We've seen that at Tottenham. But, and we also got to say that the, the end product that you see from Harry Kane now, he wasn't that player when he was coming, when Pochettino was there, he had been on loan at Leicester. You know, he wasn't exactly scoring 20 goals a season in those periods. Pochettino developed him into this elite striker. Now, of course, Harry Kane takes a lot of credit for that. The player puts in the work. But Pochettino oversaw that, much like we credited credited Solskjaer with Martial and Rashford's best returns in a United shirt. That's not a coincidence. That's the coach specializing and investing into those players to improve or get a certain level out of those players. Deli Ali, he was phenomenal at Tottenham. So I think you there's definitely benefits to Pochettino. I think tactically he's shown that He's very astute. Um, but look, the, the one thing that does beat him, of course, is trophies. Now, I think, yes, I take your point. It's Tottenham. But in saying that, the good coaches find a way to win no matter what. Um, we've seen Brendan Rodgers. He's obviously won an FA Cup with Leicester last season. If I was The, the thing that frustrates me with Poch, it's not so much that he hasn't won trophies, Tom. He made some comments a few seasons ago where he said, you know, around the FA Cup and around the League Cup saying, you know, they're not important trophies and... He only wants to focus on the big trophies like the Premier League and the Champions League. I don't think that's the right attitude to have as a manager. If you come out and say that publicly, what message does that send to your players who are playing in the League Cup? Ah, sod it. I don't need to put in. Manager doesn't even value it. So why should I, right? And I think yeah, if yeah, he's going to put those comments, the, yeah. And that's the thing. I think coming into the Manchester United job, the expectation is you should be fighting on every front. That's why you get a squad of 30 players. So... Yeah. Is he saying, but now are we taking those comments out of context? Was he saying it based on the the situation of his job at Tottenham? You know, I, I think it's hard. I, I, almost, I almost compare those comments, and you're completely right, but I almost compare those. Do you remember when Solskjaer was talking about trophies sometimes a little bit more for ego rather than like it doesn't yeah. really show progression? I think you're completely right in the way we interpreted that from Pochettino and he would need a better choice of words at United, but you could understand where he was coming from. He was sort of prioritising sort of bigger fish sort of thing. But um, here's one for you. Well, actually, just one here um, before we wrap up, Lee. Um, good to see you, mate. Hope you're keeping well. That's safe from De Gea is obviously world class. Here's an interesting one. He won't be flying back with PSG. 
the game was obviously in Manchester. I know, I didn't sort of think of that. And here's the sort of caveat to the thing, which I which is the narrative I'm running with with Pochettino. So, and I said it to you in our group chat today. Thomas Chelsea was struggling under a club legend in Frank Lampard. They sacked Lampard and they bring in Tuchel from PSG mid-season, go on to win the Champions League. Man United struggling in the league under club legend Solskjaer. They sack him, bring in Pochettino in the middle of the season from PSG. Are we winning the Champions League, Larry? I don't think it's beyond us, if I'm being <laughs> honest. I seriously don't. I look at this United side on paper. I think the greatest challenge for Pochettino or any manager who comes in, find a way to get all your best players on the pitch without letting our defence be so leaky. If you can find a way to get Bruno and Paul Pogba in the midfield together, because I think that's been the challenge with Solskjaer. He, 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 the better his squad got, he struggled to find the balance between how do I get all my top players in the team? And I think that's where Solskjaer's lack of tactical nous or lack of tactical creativity sort of was his undoing. I think if you're an elite coach, I think if it was Pep Guardiola in charge of Manchester United, he finds a way to play Bruno and Paul Pogba as eights and he gets a tune out of the players he's got. Now, I have no doubt we still need a six. That's undoubted. But in saying that, if if you're a manager, you're looking at that squad and what you have in terms of attacking options, you got to find a way to play possession-based football because you can't concede goals if you have the ball and you need to find a way to fit Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes in the midfield. If you can do that without conceding five goals every game, your attack will undoubtedly have the potential to go on a run and put some games back-to-back. I think we've got an attack. The attacking options we have, or at the, although that the manager will have at their disposal, it's a more than enough to win a Champions League and go on a cup run, undoubtedly. Are we well, the, the favourites? Way- I don't think so. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Well, the way Pochettino, and look, he's not the ideal six, I completely agree, but the way Pochettino can get me onside straight away, if he does want to put Pogba and Bruno Fernandes in the same midfield and have some energy and some bite in the tackle behind him, he could bring Ander Herrera back with him. Obviously, I was a big fan of Ander Herrera. Oh, I love it. But uh, well, I know it's tongue in cheek. He's not the ideal number six. I think he's better going forward. And uh, it's a deal that's definitely not going to happen. Yeah, I love a bit of Ander Herrera. I'll definitely be tuned in. I'm all eyes on PSG in Manchester City tomorrow morning. That'll be a fantastic viewing. Um, hopefully, he can get one last win with PSG before he leaves. So, what, what do you think of that? And last point, the last 30 seconds before we wrap up. His choice as a manager, um, leaving Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi. Um, sick of them saying it's like managing a crèche or a baby center um, has to go off to manage the real goat. I see people making this comment. Why would he want to leave aside with Mbappe, Neymar, and Messi? Imagine the egos on those players. I reckon managing them would be the biggest pain in the ass. Tuchel has made that point as well. What he struggled with, it wasn't like managing a football team. I was managing their entourage and okay, he needed a penalty this game. He needed to be on this free kick. And there was sort of too much hassle. And apparently Pochettino is maybe feeling the same sort of stresses. You wouldn't be able to manage that side. And that's the thing. I think that and the other thing is their sporting director, uh, Leonardo, clear all the reports that come out, he runs the full football operation. You're basically mm-hmm. a coach and you're a coach on top of that, dealing with all the bullshit from Neymar and wanting to be, you know, his, his manufactured injury so he can be there for his sister's birthday every year. And then you've got Messi who, you know, is not having the best time of his life at PSG at the moment. On top of that, you got Mbappe, who's likely going to go to Real Madrid. His head's gone. It's an, It would be a nightmare to manage that side. It really would. And then you got Icardi. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> that's a bit of less said about that the better i don't want to be talking about akari and that circus but um yeah fascinating view and if you are on twitter or instagram go follow him and is it his wife go follow or his ex-wife, ex-wife. Ex-wife or wife or future? I don't know which one. I don't know. I don't know who she is. She's one of them. One day she's the ex-wife. Next day she's a future wife. Who knows? But they're a better drama than Vardy and Rooney. I tell you. <laughs> but um, look, Larry, it was a pleasure. As I said, almost finished my beer. It was a pleasure to sit back and just enjoy a win. Top of the group, especially top of the group after we got knocked out against Young Boys in Match Day One. I think another one for the history books. Um, just so glad to sit back, enjoy. Not Carrick's not at the wheel, but you just have to enjoy it. Um, Josh on Akadi saying Akadi is the best thing I've seen since Nani's. Um, so Nani's um, Nazri's drip test. I remember that. That was that. I don't know what was happening with that, but um, yeah, enjoyable just to sit back, enjoy everyone's in the comments. Um, bit of positivity. Not that there's any real negativity when we lose in the comments, but yeah, good to see yeah. some smiles on some faces. And Larry will be back. What Chelsea standard for an Australian Manchester United fan? Chelsea three thirty a.m. on a Monday morning. We never play Chelsea on a Saturday. That is just the rule, apparently. But um, so Sunday game, we'll do maybe a preview Friday night. I'm looking for it's a big game. Whether Carrick will be in charge or Carrick will be in charge and Pochettino's in the stands, um, time will tell. I'm sure we'll have a clearer picture on Friday night for our preview. But hopefully everyone is free and available to join us. Um, Until then, Larry, enjoy. Everyone, make sure you like the video if you haven't. If you'd be great if you could subscribe. Chat to you Friday, Larry. It's Carrick, you know. Chat then. (laughs) 